0: All right. say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to, uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right?
1: Yeah, you called the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights.
0: That's right. And your rights matter and you deserve to be free from harassment and you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, if you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to, to that effect. If you, uh, if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government, call the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, if you want a free consultation, tell them we sent you. Go to EhrlichLawOffice.com
1: slash filibuster. Hey, hey, welcome
0: in. It's filibuster episode number two this week. Uh, if you missed it, go back, listen in your your podcast feed with our chat with Adam Booth from the Sons of Ben, helping us preview DC United's trip up to the Philadelphia Union. Watch that uh, Saturday night at 730 on all the usual outlets. Uh, because we're not recapping a game by DC United this week. We, uh, we had some time on our hands, and so... Uh, We have him on every preseason, and with this bye week, we uh, are seizing the opportunity to have him on again now that we're about a third of the way through the 2021 schedule. He is every MLS fan base's favorite pundit, the armchair (laughs) analyst, Matt Doyle. Welcome back to Filibuster, man.
2: Oh, it is good to be back, gentlemen. It feels like February to me, talking to to you guys. I think that's the (laughs) the only time of year that that we chat. It's It's good to be back in the middle of the year. Yeah, I mean, I would I would give a
0: non-zero amount of money for some February weather right now. Um, I'm Wait, not going to really? lie. Uh, my air conditioning is is kind of shot at the moment, so I'm really hot, and I just want cold.
2: So instead of giving a non-zero amount of money for February weather, why don't you give a non-zero amount of money for an air conditioner?
1: Because we have a <laughs>
0: renovation coming up, and it's it's a whole in thing. In
1: months, in months, Adam. In weeks,
0: then in weeks. <laughs> Anyway,
2: okay, li- fair enough.
0: Questionable life choices aside, what are you okay. drinking, Matt?
2: Uh, I I just had a bunch of beers and a cider, and, and right now I have a glass of ice water because I'm a little bit buzzed. So
1: that's that's do a you wanna, very do, do you decision. Do you want to highlight one of the beers and/or cider that you uh, had? Tonight?
2: Yeah, I I actually went to uh, I, I went to uh, a, a local soccer pub. To watch the the Boca Juniors Atletico Monero game uh, with a couple of friends, and, and I had their um, their their house pilsner. They have like a local pilsner. Um, Ooh, nice. It was it was fine. It was unobtrusive, right? And that's what we lost from a pilsner. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I mean,
2: like we 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 we've been in this IPA era for it feels like two decades at this yes. fucking point.
1: <laughs> we're, yes. We're, it's
2: so. like, Everybody's like, oh, hop forward this. Hop forward. I, I want a beer that does not insist upon itself. And that's what a pilsner is supposed to be. And that's exactly what this was. It was clean. It was crisp. It was nice for a hot and muggy night. And I had too many of them. And so I'm going <laughs> on about it yeah. about you, on your podcast. And you just have to deal with it because that's what show business is, baby. <laughs> now, DC United My Language. You're speaking my
3: language right
0: now. <laughs> DC United's um marketing campaign is something that Hernan Losada has has said, uh vamos por mas and I think you are living that right now, Matt. So <laughs> I'm feeling it. I'm definitely feeling it. So So speaking of Hernan Losada, let's start things off. We're DC United podcast. Let's start things off right here. What is your take on the team's progress under the new manager?
2: Well, they're a lot more fun to watch than I thought they would be um, you know, the, the first three weeks of the year they were absolutely brutal, like I know the results were good, but the soccer was shit um it it was just bumper cars at a million miles an hour and um everybody was hurt there it was it was just chaos and and I kind of wrote them off, especially when losada made the, those comments, which were i mean to be fair, it was in English, which is not his primary language it might not even be his second language, right? because he was in Belgium for a while, so he might be Spanish first and then French and then English. So something might have been lost um, in translation or contextual, but he was basically like, screw these guys getting injured. That's on them, that's not on me. which when I read that and then I saw the way they played, I thought like this this guy's get, like it's gonna be back to baton. It's, it's just gonna be miserable. Um, it has not. It has not. And guys have progressively gotten healthier, and I think he's done a really nice job of rotating the squad and, and managing minutes. And um, they're playing real soccer in between the, the high-intensity, create a ton of 50-50s, and, you know, when your challenges thing. staying. And it's been actually pretty fun to watch and I think super effective. Um, and I don't know exactly how it happened, but, it, like, I, I, I love being pleasantly surprised.
0: What improvements do you want to, do you think they still need to do to get up into that top tier? They're below the playoff line right now, even if the, the underlying numbers as we've harped about on this podcast are pretty mm-hmm. outstanding, especially for this point in the, the process. What improvements do you, do you think they need?
2: Well, I'm going to ask you guys to tell me that because I don't like, <laughs> uh, fair. you know, I, I have, I have 15 games to watch every weekend and it's, it's kind of overwhelming. Um, and, and, and what, I see is a team that looks really bought in and they play really hard and they maybe lack a little bit of final third quality. And that is not surprising for a relatively low budget team. And it's especially not surprising for a relatively low budget team who have lost their number ten D P for a good chunk of time mm. so that, that that is my impression of it but i can't tell you that like i i mean i watch dc as closely as i as i can but well, like what are you guys seeing to, am i am i near the, the correct answer there
3: i mean I, I would say so i i think you know yeah. we, we we talked maybe a couple episodes ago about getting the, the that front three however they set themselves up um, the balance of roles, you know, you have two guys battling for the nine job. They're both scoring. Can't really complain about that. Ariola brings so much work rate and his off the ball play always helps out so much. That's, that's really nice. It's just that without Flores and, you know, let's be real, like without Flores playing up to his price tag when he was healthy, um, yep. there's not really that, that third guy that has that creative, that high level creative side. And so you've got, you know, Adrian Perez has done very well, but he's still kind of like Areola close enough that he's not really that, um, that chance creator, that someone that's a little more clever to break down the, the better teams. And that's, you know, DC's challenge so far is that they've got one win over a team. That's actually, you know, pretty clearly a good team.
2: So it is the sense that I get from Perez. And it seems to be confirmed by what you were saying is that he's more of a, like a nice rotation player. He, he's a, He's a smart signing on a budget. He's very cap friendly, but he's not a problem solver. It looks to me like the problem solvers for this team are deeper in this field. Um, whether it's Felipe or Russell Knauss, who I think has been wonderful now that he's back at uh, full-time defensive midfield. And then Moses Nyman. Mm-hmm. Is that an acceptable outsider's view of DC United? Yeah, I
0: don't think that's wrong. Um, I think Annie Nahar is a, a problem solver too from, yeah. from that center back spot. Uh which I, I have been so I like I've been so uh happy with Annie Nahar. Just having him back made me really happy on just a fan emotional level. But seeing him not only come in and excel, but excel in a tactically really interesting way just like scratches all of the itches. It's just it's wonderful. Is
2: given that And I know that that Nyman is a a high-level prospect. Paredes is a high-level prospect. Yao is maybe not quite as high-level, but he's certainly not um, a (laughs) low-level. He's he's a good prospect. Even with all of that, does that mean that what we're seeing is that Hernan Lozada is actually the highest-level sort of prospect on this team? Because he's a very young coach. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has been able to get improved performance throughout the roster. And like absolute rejuvenation for Andy, a player like Andy Nahar in a role that I don't think anybody necessarily saw coming.
0: Yeah, I think that's really fair. I mean, he he's obviously got the man management and motivation side, as we've all seen, and and as you mentioned, and then tactically he's been able to instill this identity that is the polar opposite of what they were under Ben Olsen, but then also prepare for each opponent. And take away their strengths without sacrificing that identity, which is really, I think, a difficult line to walk as a coach. And he's been able to do it. We know he's on a three-year contract, and I would be shocked if he is here after that period because I, I think you're right. I think he's going to move on to bigger and better things.
2: Big thing, well, and I think he's. Me, wait, let me let me interrupt here. Let me ask you about that identity, right? Because DC United twenty five years ago, DC United in the glory days. Even DC United in the mid aughts was about possession. It was about beautiful soccer. Like they, they had this very almost well, obviously South American style, right? With Marco Echeverri and then Christian Gomez as as the number tens and everything kind of revolved around that. And this is a very different style of play. This is this is Red Bull soccer that you guys are playing.
3: We we're not in, gonna
0: call it that, but you can. It,
2: well I'm gonna call it that. I will call it that <laughs> is that going to be acceptable to DC fans? Is it is it at the point where like any success no matter the the aesthetic value of it is 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 just like manna from heaven and it doesn't matter the the aesthetic package it comes in?
1: I mean, I think that that this this style has moved DC United into what is today's beautiful soccer? it is pressing it is uh, uh attacking it is uh uh putting your opponent on their back foot. I think that uh they've that hernando losada has modernized d c United soccer in a way that uh loved Ben Olson, but he wasn't playing modern twenty twenty soccer he was playing. 2004 soccer or maybe even or maybe 2010 soccer but he wasn't playing 2018 2019 2020 modern soccer but that's what Hernan Losada has brought and that combined with the fact that the results are starting to come and it's a style of soccer that is fit for right now I think that's what matters I we like if if DC United had started in the nineteen twenties, we wouldn't be hopefully uh, some people probably would be, but we wouldn't be yearning for the two three five to come back and we can only play the two three five. We want to play the the most modern uh the most modern attacking soccer and the what works now. And I think that's what Erna Mosada brings.
0: Can I just throw in I do want the two three five to come back? <laughs> I yeah. mean I think filibuster is
1: pretty solid that we do want the two three five back, but <laughs> right.
2: I've always considered this to be a two, three, five podcast. Just I, 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 that,
0: that means the world to me, Matt, that you would say that. <laughs>
2: um,
0: I think at this point, like part of it is it's been a dry spell for DC. Now we haven't had any trophies since 2013, uh, capital cup, notwithstanding. <laughs> so, so anything that gets us into that upper echelon, um, I think will be acceptable to an extent, but then like you said, they're playing good soccer within this run everyone into the ground rubric Uh, like that, that framework are they're still playing good passing soccer and there, there's some good attacking moves in there. So I think that it's, it's a little bit of both, but I think it will, it's acceptable to me. Certainly Jason, you've been, you're an older head than I am.
3: Uh, Yeah, I, I feel it too. Um, but yeah, um, I, what I would say is that I think I think I agree that the fan base just wants to see a team that play that brings some excitement and is effective. Um, I, I think you can get away with different styles uh, as far as long as you're doing those two things. If you're putting on a show and you're winning games, I think the fan base is overall going to be happy. I think uh, a lot of us very old uh, '90s era fans. Um, have kind of like come to grips with the fact that it, this isn't going to be, um, most likely isn't going to be a perfect possession machine. Um, though there aren't too many of those around, uh, that much anymore. Um, in, in any case, but I, I, you know, I think most people are on board. If the soccer is exciting, whatever that means, um, and the, I think this current team is meeting that, that rubric, that, that side of things. Um, and if they're winning, then people will be on board. But I think short-term, just being good uh, or, or making people come away thinking, like, the team's pretty good this year, I think that's enough. And and I also think that, like, there's a personality-driven thing here too, which is that people like Hernan Lozada. Uh, fans are absolutely charmed by him. Um, and that's not nothing because fans spend a long time having – uh, at the at the best, some complicated feelings about Ben Olsen. A certain subset of the fans just simply did not like him at all. Um, and so it seems like the, the entire fan base is on board. They've bought in as much as the players have. And I think that's going to go a long way for at least 2021 and 2022. You know, maybe if 2023 comes around and we see more of that early season, uh, you know, it's a battle to the death. It's not really a soccer game. Uh, If that comes back in, people might get a little tired of it. But I think for the time being, uh, people are pretty, I think across the board, people are pretty pleased.
1: Uh, Matt, uh, broadening on from uh, uh, just DC United, uh, we were talking before about uh, how DC United is still kind of operating on not the biggest budget uh, in the Eastern Conference, but it seems like a bunch of teams with the biggest budgets in the Eastern conference are below the playoff line right now, uh, with Toronto and Miami and, uh, Atlanta all, all struggling, which of those three teams, or if you want to include Chicago or Cincinnati, I don't know why you would, uh, do you, which of those teams do you think might be able to make the jump back up into, uh, playoff contention by the end of the year?
2: Oh, easily Toronto easily. Um, No, no, like granted they they are going to have defensive issues throughout the season because Omar Gonzalez and and Chris Mavinga look pretty close to washed but like their struggles have been you know because of a bad coach and then because of a lot of injuries well the bad coach is gone and they have basically gotten through the injuries and they got Alejandro Pozuelo back and they got you know Jefferson, Jefferson Soteldo back and Josie Alcador is back, and, you know, Josie, when he's healthy, is still really good in this league. Iowa canola is still really good in this league. There are a bunch of guys, you know, uh, their fullbacks are some of the best attacking fullbacks in this league. They have answers, proven answers, I think, in a way that none of the other teams you listed necessarily do. Um, now, I'm not I'm – at the same time, I'm not, you know, going to wager any of my money that they will – Actually make the playoffs, but it would be zero percent surprising if they went on a run here, especially now that Puzuelo is back. It would be zero percent surprising. Whereas with those other teams, like they don't have they don't have that upside. Toronto Wait, Toronto, I, I... Finished, it's for, Toronto finished second quarter shield last year. Like mm-hmm. this, this team was really really good. Last year, and they have almost all of that personnel back, and they have added some good players to it. So, of that group, they are head and shoulders above the rest in terms of potential.
1: Are you saying that uh, Phil Neville doesn't have the coaching chops to uh, make the playoffs in this league? Didn't he get England to a semifinal,
2: though? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna blame Phil Neville. Like, granted. It hasn't been great under his in, under his you know coach with his with him calling the shots thus far, but there is so much more wrong with that team
3: than oh, sure.
2: at this point. Um.
3: Uh, well, Matt, my my question I had kind of a, a close to Ben's question, and we did not talk about them beforehand, which is shows our experience as podcasters. Um, but I came up with another one um, because this jumped this jumped up at me when I was looking at the standings page, trying to think of what else to ask Uh, Nashville's doing well right now, but they've played nine home games already. um, And they've kind of quietly dropped 10 points in that, in that set of games. They've only played on the road three times all year. Um, Are they a team that maybe could fall off a little bit once they're, once they start to have to play all these road games that they've, they've banked or they've put off, I should say uh, so far.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and, and Gary Smith, to his credit, has talked about it. Like he he mm. literally said that in the post game uh, of their their most recent draw. He's like, look, you know, I, I've I've been nice to these guys all year, um, but like we're dropping points at home, and you don't make the playoffs if you're doing that. And I, I you know, I, I don't think that this is one of the most talented teams in the league. Um, I don't think they're even top half, mm. even after having find Ake Loba, a $7 million striker for Monterey. Um, like, I, I don't think he solves a lot of their problems, but at the same time, they might benefit from going on the road because with, with desperation
1: because
2: mm. they are a team that last year made the playoffs and they made a run in the playoffs by playing desperate and resolute defensive soccer. Um, so... It could be one of those weird MLS things where getting away from home actually benefits them to a degree. But they are it, – it is, it is also very much one of those things where they are nowhere near as good as their underlying numbers suggest they are um, because they have been playing from behind in just about every game. And when you play from behind every single week, you're going to rack up a lot of shots, a lot of expected goals, you know, a lot of shots on target. And that's what they've done. They are nowhere near that good, and I think maybe they know it at this point, and that might be the path they need to actually make the playoffs again. Um, But all of the teams above the playoff line in the Eastern Conference, Mm. I think they're the ones who are most likely to drop.
3: Does that include, let me uh, follow up real quick, even even with Montreal having jumped up there uh, recently?
2: Oh shit. Montreal has a playoff line? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I was I was surprised too. Okay. Montreal's most likely to drop. Like no like no no like disrespect to them. They like Wilford Nancy has done a really good job. Um, but I like that's not a playoff team. I always shocked that's the playoff team. So if they're if they're above the line, that means Columbus are below the line, right? Yep.
0: Correct. Yep. Please, yep. Yeah, yeah. The team the Columbia, first two yeah, teams Columbus. below the line right now are Red Bull, DC United, and, and Columbus, I think.
2: Yeah. Like, those are all – those three teams are all more likely to make the playoffs than Montreal is. So,
0: so what has been the the most surprising thing to you one-third of the way through the MLS season?
2: I mean, Seattle setting a new record for games unbeaten um, from the start of the year. Uh, doing it obviously without Nico Ladero and then now without Stephen Fry um, doing it with some style uh, granted this is not 2019 LAFC or 2017 Toronto in terms of you know aesthetic enjoyability but like this is they're playing really good soccer um, Seattle doing that is That's a big surprise, and I—it's become—I've gotten so used to it over the last three months because they've been—they won right out the gate and they—they just kept winning all year, that it's almost started to take it for granted. And I want to make sure that I don't do that because this is like week after week after week they're putting in playoff level performance in terms of energy and like defensive resoluteness and all those little things that are very easy to miss or to take for granted during the regular season. Seattle's doing that. Um, and they need to do it because they don't have Ladero and they don't have uh, Stephen Fry. And that's not even to mention the fact that Gustav Svensson, who so, was so key for them for four and a half years, he's gone as well. Um, anybody who says they saw this coming – from Seattle is is a freaking liar, uh, <laughs> and that has been that has been the, the biggest surprise. So Toronto being at the complete other end of the of the standings, that's a big surprise as well.
0: I mean, it's been really out of character for Seattle too, right? Like they they famously were a team that would just kind of muddle through the first half of the season, turn it on, and then fly into the playoffs, right? And now they're setting records for the best. Or the longest unbeaten start in league history.
2: Yeah, it, it's and it's it's great to see. Be, and, is <laughs> it uh, <it's> kind of? <laughs> sorry about that, but uh, you know, in, in part because like, yeah, like Brian Schmetzer has been receptive to the criticism. Like Brian, there there have been two real legit criticisms of Brian Schmetzer over the past five years. One is that he has never coached the team to a complete regular season. And two is that he, he has never really developed any of his young players. And now the, the Seattle team, like, you know, unbeaten in 13 to start the year and loaded with homegrown kids who are all like filling in admirably to the point of winning starting jobs for these longtime grizzled veterans in Seattle. And it's, I, I I understand why, why fans around the league don't necessarily love that. <laughs> um, but as a neutral, this is what I want to see. This is this is exactly what I want to see from all our teams, this commitment to being great every single week in the regular season and this commitment to, to building through the academy. Because I honestly believe those are the two things that we need in order for MLS as a whole – to climb the ladder as a league and become one of the very best leagues in the world.
3: Well, Matt, I, I, I'm i going to bring it back to the Eastern Conference because, in part because DC almost never has to play any of these teams in the West. And, and to a certain extent, I feel like I'm watching an entirely different league when I watch you know, the Galaxy play the Rapids. I'm like, oh yeah, the Galaxy and the Rapids. Um, teams we, we might never get to play again, it feels like. Um, but I, I'm bringing it back to the East because I, 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 I kind of want to know, like, big picture. Um, the Revs are leading the pack; they're three points ahead. They have played 13, so they've got at least the one extra game on everyone. in Some cases, two games extra. Um, do you see any? Is there anyone in the East that you think has a better than average chance of catching up to them by the end of the year?
2: Um. I don't think they're head and shoulders better than everybody else. In the mean, mm-hmm. they, you know, they they are really susceptible to um, to not having their their first eleven, and we saw that this past week when they lost without Matt Turner. Like Brad Knighton just gave Toronto the goals in that one. Yeah, uh, that was a rough one. That was a rough one for him, and to let him know it. Yeah. But like, yeah, I, I think of it more in tears. Whereas mm-hmm. like the Revs and Orlando City and um probably Columbus even though they, they've really been scuffling along and NYCFC even though they have dropped games that they shouldn't I think that's the first tier mm-hmm. in in the Eastern Conference. And the second tier, um oh in Philadelphia as well. So it's a five team first tier. And then the second tier that's where you find like the Red Bulls and DC United um, you know a few other teams as well uh, Toronto could probably climb into there and maybe has the potential to climb up to the first tier but so I mean to answer your question like any of those four other teams in the first tier I think have good chances to you know leap the revs and the standings but as with everything in MLS, it comes down to injuries and and then the the transfer market. Mm -hmm. You know, if if Orlando City sell Chris Mueller and Daryl DK this year, they're not winning anything. Uh, But they might have to sell both those players because that's the way the global game works.
0: Uh, I guess one last question. What is the tactical trend? in MLS or, or just a tactical thing from, from some team besides playmaking center back Andy Nahar uh, that, that's caught your attention this year?
2: Mirroring, and I fucking hate it. Um, like, if if your team comes out in a 3-4-3, three, uh, three, three, then the opposing coach will come out in a 3-4-3. Three, three. If your team comes out in a 4 two, 3 one the opposing coach in a 4 two, 3 one um, And it's just about canceling out what the opposition wants to do best. And it makes for some boring games. And we've seen it around the world this year. This is not specifically an MLS thing. We saw it a ton um, at the Euros, more so, I think, than at Copa America. Um, and we saw it a ton uh, in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I understand my managers. Like, Thomas Tuchel is amazing at it. Um, and Thomas Tuchel just won the Champions League. So like I understand why coaches do it but it will not stop me from hating it with a burning passion because <laughs> it's really regressive it's not about um, it's not about being the protagonist in the game it's it's about killing the game and I hate it.
0: Well I'm I'm very happy then that Hernan Mosada will not do that and when Phil Neville tried it against DC United he they his team shipped 3 goals in the first half hour which was didn't that, go that well. was fun that Didn't was go well. <laughs> I I think it went very well for us, but yeah, the, the the mirroring went very, very poorly. Um Matt Doyle, thank you so much for taking the time and, and coming on uh in, in July with us instead of in February. Just in case there's any listeners who don't already follow you on social media, tell them where they can do that.
2: Uh Matt Doyle seven six on Twitter, but I'm trying to get off Twitter. That place is a It's
0: terrible. It, <laughs> it's true. I, I think that is a universally held opinion. Nevertheless, find us on there as well at <laughs> filibuster DCU at black and red you for the website, black uh, blackandredunited.com for for all of our writing stuff, uh, patreon.com slash filibuster if you want to support us financially and uh, as a special bonus for those who do so uh, they got early access to this episode. So thank you. To everyone who, who did support us on Patreon and if you haven't, if you want to hear more interviews like this earlier than everyone else that's that's where you can do that. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com download, subscribe rate and review wherever you get your podcasts mostly though, tell a friend about the show that's about the nicest thing you can do for us for Jason and Ben and thanking Matt Doyle one more time. I'm Adam. Say goodbye Jason.
3: I'm sadly addicted to the Hillside Same